Do you like talking about things you're not qualified to talk about? Us too. The Dumb Nerds Podcast, a show where comedians talk about smart topics they're too dumb for. Every week, your host, that's me, Cassie Jerkins, invites a new funny guest on to get down and nerdy. Laugh and learn about topics like how to buy a house, the Terminator movies, and the Titanic. Check out Dumb Nerds today on your favorite podcast app. This is a Boardwalk Audio Podcast. Uh, uh, uh. Check it, you are now tuned in to Fish at the Water Where comedians learn from forerunners and give honor Tweety and Jeremiah mix it up like honor bombers Making sure everybody leaves educated like scholars This is Fish at the Water This is Fish at the Water Hey everybody, welcome to Fish at the Water, the Ooh. comedy writing podcast That was a nice pause Yeah, wasn't it? I felt like my timing was pretty good on that Yeah, what's up guys, I'm Jeremiah I'm Ryan, and we have a uh, super uh, special. Every guest uh. is super special. <laughs> like I say the same thing every time. Yeah, Man. everything's interesting, awesome, and super special. Get a new, <laughs> get a new adjective for this guy right here. Okay, um, this gentleman that we have on the podcast today is a very respected mm. sketch writer in the comedy community. Can I add uh, one? Yeah, he's very dapper. Ooh, he is very dapper, uh, and I think you'll be able to spot him if you know him. You'll spot him directly from his voice immediately, oh, and if you don't know him and you see him in real life, you'll be like, "That's the guy I heard your voice." Yeah, yeah, very unique voice. Um, he is the director of my sketch team, Ms. Smith, and he is a writer slash performer for an IO sketch team. It doesn't have to be this way. Yes. Hello. Mr. Long Dan Bannis. Yeah, <laughs> oh, goodness Christ, gracious. Wow. Intro ever. Could, could Tweety pause more in between uh, <laughs> I've been, I've been really been working on my uh, intro skills, guys. What's up, Dan? James Lipton. Um, not much. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, just been hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoying the uh, weekend, right? Yeah. You watch uh, some football, some good I old did. football. I watched some football, ate some food, hung out, and now I'm here, and I'll probably go to I.O. later. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's really neat. Um, <laughs> hold on. You have, to, when you, you have to actually be okay. right on the Right mic. on top of it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. My mistake. There we um, go. Yeah, so none of that is, I guess, super exciting, but... I mean, no, no, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Live theater is one of the greatest things on the planet. Yeah, supporting live comedy in Los Angeles is extremely important, I guess. Right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, I disagree. <laughs> I think you're going to go to I.O. later, too, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm going to go see my girlfriend. Uh, she's in what? Sketchpool this, uh, tonight. They don't call it Sketchpool anymore, though, do they? Right, no, it has a negative connotation. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> uh, so she's out of Sketchpool. And she's now into um, Sunday Sketch Show. Is that what yes. it is? Yes. Just and now it's just like it's annoying. A sketch pool is a great name. It's I such think. a great name. Sunday Sketch Show is just what it is. You know? <laughs> it is. It's just calling out what you're <laughs> going to go see. They it's just a... took the description of Sun of Sketch Pool <laughs> and made it the name of the show. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, she she's doing that at eight thirty and uh, for. All of you listening live, which is zero people, uh, it's uh, it's about an hour, so I don't think I'm going to make it, but uh, I'm going to swing by there anyway. So, who's who's on tonight? Who are you going to go watch? 
I don't know who's tonight, to be honest. Mm. Uh, Redford, maybe? Maybe. Um, I just I try to go when I can, and uh, I like it. I find that I like going to I.O. on Sunday night. Um, a lot of, I don't know where else to go, you know? Uh, my life has gotten rather simple, and my friends, I know my friends will be there. I know they'll have good beer there. And I know it's a place that I can hang out and uh, hopefully see funny people. Is Zach Huddle's even Colleen Doyle paying you right now? Yeah. Oh, does it sound that way? Oh, that sounded like a plug and a half. (laughs) We don't have any advertising sponsors yet. They have have cheap PBR. It's only $4 a glass. (laughs) No, it's just fun. Like, I've been. I've been in the I've been around for so long there now that it's like I just kind of it's fun enough just for me to hang out and I'm not, I'm actually not there other than Sunday nights I, people don't really know me but uh, on Sunday it's like everyone knows my name oh, and it's uh, building quite a cheers. reputation yeah, yeah the, so how long you said you've been with IO for a while how long have you been uh, doing sketch at IO or uh, in general tw- since like I think I want to say. 2011 at IO. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing sketch. I mean, I started taking sketch classes in like 2007, 2008. Uh, let's say 2008. And um, yeah, I went through UCB. Um, mm-hmm. you, you don't tell anyone, but I didn't take any sketch classes at IO. Ooh. And uh, I think people don't know that. So um, they do now. Yeah, now. I don't think Jeremiah has either. Yeah, we're in the same boat. I also yeah, have not. Funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't believe in that taking classes. <laughs> <laughs> I just believe in doing a podcast and then having the people who teach classes come in for free. Yeah, <laughs> give us notes. <laughs> and give us notes. <laughs> One exactly. of these days, we're gonna get like fifteen bills <laughs> for like right. fifty bucks each or whatever. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, and Zach and Colleen are going to hate this, because I always thought UCB was way better back in the day. That was my whole MO. This, like, you mean the sketch program? Just everything sco- about it. I was like a UCB groupie board, I would say. You know, I thought mm-hmm. it was the greatest thing ever. I thought it was so smart and cool and the awesomest people, and they were taking comedy to new places. But um, over time, I learned all of that was wrong. <laughs> no, not, nothing, you know. Um, no, it's just that there's great comedy in a lot of places. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, I, in terms of sketch, I don't know, personally, and granted I'm biased, but, like, I really, I've seen really great stuff at, at I.O. more than anywhere else lately. lately. Yeah, I think the sketch program at I.O. has really grown over the last, like, Three years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, About the time when I when I started, I think. Yeah. Well, Jeremiah when... changed everything. Yeah, he changed the game changer. <laughs> yeah. But I will say this: I think I love, like, I love all the schools. Like, I spend an yeah. equal amount of time at UCB as I do at IO. I'm mm-hmm. not grounding so much, but only because it, the tickets are so expensive. It's like yeah. they don't want me to be there, so I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want your kind. Yeah. yeah. Poor people. <laughs> Poor people. Yeah. 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 They're trying to run a business. Yeah. All right? I get it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but one of the things I think that's frustrating in general is when you s- people that just like stick to one school and that yes. like that's it. And then mm-hmm. it's like, but you're not, you're just like learning one part of comedy. There's so many different philosophies. Philosophies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's frankly very frustrating. And um, I would say, um, as UCP has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, 
you know, now to create some waves, let's uh, get the headlines. I think it has gotten worse. <laughs> and I just don't think it's as good as it used to be lately. And um, it, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time there anymore, but I had noticed, like, a lot of the stuff I, I liked about it, I felt like it was starting to get a little watered down just with, because they there are so many people and it was so saturated and I felt like it was it started getting hard for really funny individual voices to to get out and that's when I I felt like I, I just kind of felt like frustrated there I was like well no nothing seems to matter over there because there's just too many there's people. so much yeah yeah so uh, I think IO went mm-hmm. through that too mm-hmm. when they had the loft and DCT teams mm-hmm. where they would take some really they'd have a lot of they had a lot of talent but mm-hmm. they had it spread out onto 30 teams and so no one team was great mm-hmm. there was like great individuals on several teams but most of the teams weren't very good mm-hmm. because they were <laughs> you know what, does that make sense yeah yeah definitely and um, um yeah, it's similar, I think the similar mentality where it was more about just, like, the group and the collective of people and, you know, maybe, like, supporting each other and less about really doing super funny stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, obviously, it's important to be, like, supportive and build a community, but it's more important to be funny, you know? Yeah. You, you can't lose that, so... Yeah, I just burped into the microphone. Yummy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you ever think that there's going to be... I mean, I think just with the passing of time, there's always shifts in who the top dog is. Yeah. Totally. Do you think it's... Uh, do you think it's t- time that, or you think we're in the the process of a shift from uh, one theater to the next? I think that those things take so much time. I mean, if anybody that says that UCB isn't just like killing it right now, like as yeah. far as audiences go, mm-hmm. they're not paying attention. I mean, <laughs> those shows are sold. Every every Mod Night showed out. Every Herald Night sold out. Every, I mean, everything's. But, the, but that will only last so long as the content is good. Right. Right. And right. I think I think it is. I just think mm-hmm. like, I think there's other schools that are now that are there are other theaters I should say that are now like putting together really good stuff too. Yeah. They they're going oh. It's, I would I would say that my difference in thought is is that it's not that UCB isn't as good as mm-hmm. it used to be as much as other schools are better than they used to be so the the playing fields feel more even. I agree. With yeah. That. Well, yeah. I will say there's less barrier of entry into UCB, and so there is more mediocrity on the stage. Plus, they you know when they built their big super center Walmart superstore, <laughs> whatever the heck you know, yeah. the Mall of America of comedy. Yeah. Um, it they had so many stages and so much time to fill that inevitably there's more mediocrity there. So like, it's just less interesting. There's less you 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 you're not going to be as confident that it's going to be a really great show mm-hmm. and i remember back when it was just franklin stage oh god you know you would just you knew you were going to see something really good like you could you had so much confidence in it and rightly so so you know i i feel like i've always felt like you know with the building of the super center for whatever reason like that's when i felt a certain degree of detachment from from it, that community. My one yeah. thought about this the super center as you're calling it, like the for those people that don't know what he's talking about, Sunset is like a 
It's like an old hospital or something yeah, that they turned we, into a theater. I mean, it's well, got... it was multiple buildings. So yeah. UCB has two theaters. Dan talked about Franklin. That was their original theater here in Los Angeles. They opened up one on Sunset that we call the Sunset Theater, which was an old shopping plaza that had it was a methadone clinic and a church. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, so you <laughs> can go back on Google Maps, and I did it. And do like the timeline or the time lapse thing where, you know, if a Google car passed by that spot, it showed it at different years. And you could see like what stores and it was a methadone clinic and a church and a bunch of different shops. There is still a lot of religious fervor over there, I've noticed. (laughs) (laughs) They pray to a different God. I do feel like Matt Besser, 1992, would have hated hated the UCB Sunset because it does have a... I'm not calling it corporate, but it does have a corporate vibe. Yeah. When you're, I mean, just because it, just because it's big. It's yeah. basically the difference between like a, um, yeah, a classic old uh, motion picture theater house, you know, and like a AMC 30 megaplex, you know, that you'd see at your local mall. It's like it's just less. There's, it's less magical. It's less exciting. It feels l- like less of an event, you know. Right. Um, so that's all. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. it's what is yeah, hold on the awkwardness <laughs> on Dan's face <laughs> he's so scared of the. You have to be right on it. Yeah. I just awkwardly it's so moved cl- it to his mouth. It's like less than an inch away. <laughs> it from, has you got to touch your like, lips. I feel like it. my mm. lips are going to kiss this. Yeah. You almost yeah. have to. That's yeah. the thing. Okay. Do you have a yeah. uh, a fear of germs? I mean, as they are bad, right? <laughs> they're okay. They're, they're like good, good germs. Yeah. I'm a big oh, fan. I mean, of germs. you're the science guy. Yeah. I just my, my knowledge is that germs are bad. I might be. There's some good ones. Yeah. But going back to the the theater, it's it's funny because I think I think because of the bigger space, they need to fill time, and they also allowed, which I think is good, is like more experimental stuff. So mm-hmm. you you with Franklin, you had one theater, you. You know, like some of the shows that you could go see at, I guess, I don't know if you want to say the worst shows, but at least the more experimental, <laughs> experimental shows like um, Celebrity Barf Machine. Those were real yeah. late at night. Yeah, well, yeah. before Celebrity Barf Machine, they had a show called The Dirtiest Sketch Show in L.A., mm-hmm. where I watched a guy pull a sucker out of his asshole and put it in his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that that's... Yeah, celebrity bar from shooting that like that. It was very comparable, you know. I mean, people yeah. did yeah. probably worse than that. Oh, I've seen oh, some yeah. gross stuff. I've heard some pretty nasty but stuff. But my point yeah. is that because the space at Sunset is unused, they allow people who might not normally get stage time to work stuff out, which mm-hmm. I think is great. But it yeah. also has the the you know fallout of if random public people go and see those shows. And then they report back as, oh, you know, it wasn't that funny. Right. You well, know, I, I would say there's another kind of issue there. Because, like, that means that the people that are upstarts or, or the people who are just trying to do kind of weird, maybe somewhat extreme or just subversive stuff are still under the used-to-be banner. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. I think there's – because I find that it's harder in L.A. to find really – interesting spaces that are not connected to some frankly like giant corporate entity which is what ucb more or less is like there's not just an independent house like some weirdo who rents a room once a a week or once a month and does really cool stuff you know right every time like people keep trying to do that and (laughs) everything grows so fast 
that it's like I feel like it's almost impossible to find like really out there avant-garde or just kind Chad of Damien. Do you guys know Dami, Chad? Damiani? Damiani, yeah. is that it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Chad, I mispronounced your name. He does a, a workshop because he's, he's a clowning type mm-hmm. of improviser and mm-hmm. they do... Uh, well, he was a wrestler too, like a like right. an, an ring announcer or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know his background, but I he do like Bobby the Brain Heenan and stuff. Oh, wow. cool. So he goes way back doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. He um, at the clubhouse they do a class. It's called oh, damn it, I can't think of it. But it's it's like a like a not a freak show, but it's one of these like very like physical, and I can't think of the name of it. Um, Catsby. No, that's his show, but this mm-hmm. is a class that like you get it you get around my buddy Seth sure. yeah, um goes into and, and does it and it's like you know, it's kind of breaking that mold of what we typically see here in LA at least in terms of improv. But it's like, yeah, they have their own like big cult following, I guess. Yeah. And it the thing about LA is there's so many people, like if it catches yeah. on and people are like, Yeah, let's try it out. It's kinda of like how the pack theater is now. Like Yeah. That, it, and Nerdist went through that phase too. Nerdist was got really Kind of, I it feel like it may have started at least at least fizzle out a little, but it was re- when it first started, it was really big, mm-hmm. and then the, now it's the packs kind of taking that, um, and we'll see how that goes, how that works itself out. And yeah, uh, Groundlings used to be the UCB <laughs> of the era, and now right. it's Groundlings. And then Second City's in there apparently. Somewhere. They're somewhere in there. Yeah. They have good shows. They have a they have a lot of good uh-huh. sketch. I mean, they've. They've taken on, I think, more of the Groundlings approach to mm-hmm. charging more for tickets and then getting a different like class of yeah. people in there. Well, right. I mean, there's people in their 50s that are familiar with Second City. It's like right. only there's only a few people in their 50s who know the pack, and they're right. very strange people generally, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I've I don't seen, really I've seen know. a few shows there. It's, it reminds me of what I suspect ucb was like in the yeah. 90s when it's yeah i would assume so i i, was, I haven't seen much there and unfortunately at the pack yeah yeah oh okay yeah hmm. i have a feeling it's got that kind of these are all rocky. theaters by yeah <laughs> so let's yeah so we've we spent a lot of time talking about the la comedy scene <laughs> yeah let's move on to sketch if you're not in comedy. an la comedy scene well pff, just yeah. move on out here yeah maybe try mark maron <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm sure he's interviewing carrot top this week um so here's tweety with his classic question i see him just i put, can't wait putting can't. the bat up ready to swing go for I can't it wait. he's my favorite question daniel bannis Yes, sir. How do you generate ideas when you're writing? What is, what is your sort of uh, method? My method? Mm-hmm. The method to my whatever? No. Um, that's a... Uh, I wish I had a great answer to this. So, Everybody starts that exact same way. Oh, uh, uh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, no uh, one ever is like, this so, is what I do. Yeah. I, so Matt Craig, who is an awesome guy... Um, it was an SNL writer, also uh, reboot was the head guy for the reboot of Looney Tunes, and um, he was been really helpful. Like he was one of my first really great sketch directors, and and he he showed me some, he gave me some ways, some methods, and uh, I'm like, well, that's really great. And then I I don't ever use them, unfortunately. But um, which was basically it would be like, you know, he was he said. 
you know, just make a list of 10 occupations and then 10 locations and then see which ones, you know, take each occupation and see what would happen if I put it in here, what, at this location, this location, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I would say, if you're under the gun, by all means, that's a great thing to do. I don't do that at all, though. And um, I will, so I do have a Google Drive uh, Excel, like, <laughs> spreadsheet with like uh, close to 300 premises. And just when I, something pops into my head, I pull up my Google Drive on my phone, write in a stupid uh, premise idea, just a few words, and um, go through it. And I've, I mean, that's basically what I do. Um, and I go, I, I've gone, th- I mean, a lot of them have been done already. And most of them are horrible, to be honest. And I, every time I look at it, I'm like, there's nothing here. This is all crap. But it's gotten me through thus far. I mean, and uh, I feel like I'm doing pretty solid work lately. So, uh, you know, there's that. But it's pretty typical. I think most people yeah. who answer that, they're like, yeah, yeah you pretty much down what they do. Yeah, yeah. you got to put it down. Yeah. And most of them are bad. <laughs> but at least it's like, you know, I have something that I can at least pull from mm-hmm. later down the road. Mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, even. Um, I had a, uh, God, what is his name now? Um, Paul Rust, his writing partner, Neil Campbell. Neil Campbell, yeah. Neil Campbell even said, like, and people that don't know who Neil Campbell is, he was, he, well, I think he was the head writer for comedy Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. He's written for all kinds of television shows. He's a very funny dude. He was my first sketch teacher, and he was saying, like, he's like, every, like, every third or fourth sketch I write is good, is, like, decent. Mm-hmm. He's like, I write a lot of shitty sketches. Yeah. Um, so no, yeah. uh, Neil Campbell, was, uh, yeah, he was one of the first people at UCB that I was really like, I was like, wow, he has such a original voice, you mm-hmm. know. Him um, and Paul Russ both, I felt that Yeah, way. yeah, so. And the birthday boys, because they're kind of in that. Yeah, they were, they're great, you know, I mean, um, I don't know what they're doing these days, but they were so good, and um, Neil Campbell, though, yeah, specifically, I, I, I remember he, t- I took his class he was my first like sketch class teacher, I believe, and I I was so excited, but then I felt really embarrassed because I really admired his work and I I sucked so bad. I mean, <laughs> I was like, finally, I get to learn from this guy that I think does good stuff, and then like that's not good. You don't necessarily want to right. take your first class with someone that you respect because I, I was just putting up the worst stuff imaginable. Um, it was so bad, and uh, I don't, you know, it just. And he's a very yeah. honest teacher he's, too. He's not, yeah. He's he's very hypercritical. I would mm-hmm. say so. Um, which you is know, good. which is not I mean. a bad thing, but at the time, it, it was hard for me to deal with it. You know, I I was not a happy person at that time because all I wanted to do was be successful in comedy, and all I was doing was sucking in comedy. So, in front of someone who I really admired, <laughs> right. so like. I was like, what am I doing? Like, what is happening? And in fact, I, I bring up, uh, I was looking at some of the questions, and, and I did, one of them uh, was about a note from Neil Campbell, incidentally. Oh, really? Which yeah. What was it? That's interesting. Because well, um, I've got a Neil Campbell note in my head that I carry with me forever, I'll never forget. Really? Well, it wasn't, I guess, I don't want to say, it wasn't exactly a note, but it was something about a, a sketch that I wrote and um, in this class, like I'd written, we had to write a political sketch. 
and uh, I'm not good at political sketches. Uh, frankly, I don't think many people are because most political sketches suck. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I wrote one. It was all about acronyms. Like, that was the joke. It was like, I was just like, well, acronyms can be funny, you know? So, uh, but each, uh, so like, you know how different bills that in legislation they'll they'll make them have like like tarp or whatever and yeah silly acronyms so it's just like acronyms uh that were kind of like euphemistic and then when you spell them all out it like said something different and it was stupid you know it wasn't it was very cheap but at least it worked like at least it was something you know which was much better than any most of what i was doing at the time but I was, so we were reading it in class and everything, you know, is getting minor chuckles here and there, like nothing good at all. But there was one moment that I added, I don't really remember the context, where it was like John McCain <laughs> had to put on a uh, blanket that was made out of a golden retriever <laughs> that had been <laughs> skinned. So it was like he had to wear a golden retriever skin over him and like i don't know why but but neil campbell like laughed out loud like legitimately just at this ridiculous thing that was more or less a non sequitur in the sketch and um that i kind of just put in for because i I was grasping for something funny and uh he really laughed and he was like he he was trying to like so this premise doesn't isn't particularly great but this is such a funny moment if there's some way we can make this work or like build a sketch around this and it, that really stuck with me first of all because it was the first time that i you know made someone laugh hard who i you know really admired um you know at the at that point in my life and so um but it also showed me it was like oh, okay i was trying to be clever and that failed but when i just did some big broad ridiculous visual gag it worked you know so that definitely struck a chord with me and one thing i thought was interesting was that it made me also realize that ucb which is very structure based in general and like kind of it can keep you kind of stuck on cleverness people get too clever at ucb i think sometimes and I was like, well, this guy couldn't be more UCB, Neil Campbell. And he's laughing out loud at this ridiculous, stupid uh, visual gag. I'm like, maybe cleverness is a little overrated. And um, so that's... As someone who's not that. clever, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I have a lot of physical stunts in my sketches, because I'm yeah, not very clever. Yeah, it's better, you know. Yeah. It's just uh, big guttural laughs are much more important in my estimation. Yeah. I mean, you can be as clever as you like. You can just be a clever, clever person, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to being funny, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what this is all about, man. (laughs) Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you look at a sketch, when you're looking, when, let's say, I mean, like, well, I don't want to use Miss Smith just because we know all these people. Let's just say Mm -hmm. a generic sketch team. Yeah. Um, The cloud. I just named oh, the oh, okay. Yeah. Like, so, sketch, yeah. you, Tweety looked at me it like, what's the cloud? Yeah. Yeah. Just someone else's computer? That's what the cloud is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Rimple Stillskin. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, <laughs> Rimple Stillskin. You're looking at a sketch, and you're kind of reading it out loud. Or you're reading it to yourself. We've just read it out loud. What are you looking at when you look at a sketch? 
Words. Well, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? What, to make th- th- mm-hmm. this is going to be like, other than funny. Obviously, funny mm-hmm. is important, mm-hmm. but other than that, like structure-wise, what are you looking for? Okay. Well, first of all, the first page is the most important thing for sure. Like the it needs to have a very clear premise on the first page, and even though you know I, I I'm all in favor of breaking from the the format. Like I, no matter what, I think that's important. There needs to be a moment on the first page that subverts expectations and gets a laugh. You know, gets people laughing. And from there, like UCB will say, and then just repeat and heighten, repeat and heighten. Yeah, true. But also, people know that, and you have to subvert that at some point. So, it, I need to. You need to establish what the premise is, and then subvert the expectations on the first page. Like, that's what I'm looking for, basically. Um, Establish the premise, clearly, and then whatever the initial first few lines are, something happens to subvert it, which you'd call the first unusual thing, perhaps, if you're a UCB student, you know. Right. So... Well, at this point, I feel like there's a lot of terminology that may have started ECB that a lot of schools use. Because I know, like, George McAuliffe, when he broke down, he was my first sketch teacher at I.O., I believe. I think it was George. Mm -hmm. He broke everything down, and I was like, oh, this is just like what I learned at UCB. UCB." Because it was just, (laughs) you know, first unusual thing. There's a phrase everybody uses. I'm going to – I'm going to admit this on air that I don't understand. I don't know what it means, and whenever anybody says that, I just nod my head. Mm -hmm. The turn. The turn, I assume, is the same as the first unusual thing. I mean, I don't hear people using that very much. I don't but... hear it very often, but when I do hear it, I'm like, I have no idea what that means. Yeah. But I just nod my head and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The my turn hunch... of your expectations. Yeah, the so subversion yeah. of expectations, the first unusual thing. You know, I think the turn, whatever, like, that. it's all, I think that's the, all essentially the same thing, you know. It's kind of like how today we call things a button, and like uh-huh. 20 years ago they called it the blow. Oh, really? Because I've written a couple things with some guys that are, like, <laughs> old, older. And they're like, well, what's the blow? I'm like, what the fuck does the Do blow they still mean? call them skits? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's That's... Joking Alley, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that old motherfucker. That no. old Sorry guy. Sorry for cursing. That's it's okay. Right. It's okay to curse. No, I, 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 yeah, no, he's a very funny guy. Yeah, he's a funny dude. See, I yeah. like to bury my turn or premise... Usually around page three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not rare. Like, I, I mean, that's, I always feel really, I, you know, if I'm directing a team or something, it's like, you want to be able to give notes, you know, and like, you want to be able to be helpful. And um, so fr- I see that often where it's like, I think just the other day, like uh, we were reading a sketch in a, on a team and I was like, I felt like the funny thing, the the, the real crux of the, the sketch happened on page three. And I was like, I would cut all every, everything until the top of page three and then go from there, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Um, I guess it's like a philosophy know. and like the slow burn. Mm-hmm. Maybe that comes from improv to where, you know, you like... You, I mean, the thing about it in improv, it's like you maybe get two lines and then you build yeah. it in you know with yeah. a sketch if you're on page two and you haven't gotten there but there is something i think you know it's just like what you said you break the rules there's something mm-hmm. to doing there's there some sketches where they you need it quick 
Like mm-hmm. you have to, or else it's just you're waiting around and then it's right. too late. Yeah. You've already lost people. But then there's also, I I particularly like if you can keep a sketch going for let's just say a page and a half, which mm-hmm. is roughly what a minute and a half into the sketch that gets laughs but is building up towards your game. Then I kind of like those because it it doesn't seem so rushed and every time and it's it's different. Not a lot of people do it or they don't do it well. Uh huh. Well, there's a lot of great um, comedians. I mean, sketch comedy changes over the years. Um, like we were talking about this the other night. Like Andy Kaufman, I don't. I feel like his whole thing was like telling you what the punchline was going to be, mm-hmm. and then just never giving you the punchline. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. That was his thing. Yeah. Or we, and with Carl, we were talking about in Living Color. There was really no game mm-hmm. and a lot of those sketches maybe the ca- like the character-based ones where like the, the character was sort of the game like was a character-based game yeah right. yeah they but just were writing stuff they I, thought were funny. funny they're not like yeah. formally trained sketch writers right. i guess right. that's such a thing you know uh, yeah no that's a good point like ultimately if you're laughing who, who, who gives cares? a shit it doesn't yeah. matter you know but uh you know that's the thing like it, saying that puts me out of a job <laughs> as like a director it's like you know there are certain things that tend to work and you try to to push in that direction you know and like i will agree is it's like i, I like being surprised for sure and but i do find like no matter what that turn or first usual thing or blah 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 whatever should come on the first page like yeah even if it's the last line of the first page it just seems to make a big difference you know or it's certainly when it comes to confidence that this is going to work on stage you know mm-hmm. if you can because you, a, a first page can be really long you know mm-hmm. and you can still stretch it out um i mean you can build a um you can kind of like build an a, an environment, a set a scene, a stage, a set a scene before any lines are delivered, and that works, I think, just as well. Which I, I think, um, and and a show we did recently on Miss Smith, like w- we did a, a sketch about a broadcast in Chernobyl, where it's like a, a, a you know Russian wasteland, a post-apocalyptic, and I I think it what worked about it was like we really played up the theatricality. Like, people knew where they were, what was happening before any lines were delivered. We had, like, wind gusts coming in. Mm. And we The stage was all, like, dark blue. And, like, we made the lights really foreboding. We, like, played with the theatricality. And, like, people were like, whoa. You know, I got the sense. And anyway, well, hopefully, anyway, people were, were kind of put... They were surprised and interested and intrigued to see, like, well, what is this? You know, they really are... are creating a, a mood you know yeah so. my uh my director whose vote uh name i won't vocalize here um, yeah we don't say his name on the podcast we don't say his name um for various reasons no um, you shouldn't yeah he doesn't deserve publicity uh-uh. oh not at all after everything he's we doing. slipped once and well i was upset <laughs> for, uh, so. for a solid week but um uh just now sometimes i'll 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 put the premise of my sketch on the first page um <laughs> Just so I could say, hey, it's there. And then I'll bury the next game move for a page and a half or so. So we just had a meeting. We had a sketch. And we get done reading it. Oh, 
sorry, cut that. Um, <laughs> he's, he's laughing. He's like, all right, well, I'm glad that uh, the main theme of this is buried in page three. So maybe you can cut a bunch of stuff to get it up. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, so now I actively try to um, do that for my own writing purposes. It's very constructive. I mean, it's very helpful for mm-hmm. my future sketches to be a dick. <laughs> I, this, I have a quick. Okay, so this is my question about this. This is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is and i think a lot of it's maybe because of the internet maybe it's because of cell phones maybe it's because of the popularity of snl over the last 30 years but there became a moment where i feel like a lot of sketch has become very like premise game move game move game move game move out and a lot of it's very successful a lot of it isn't right um but i feel like a lot of it you've seen before you just are sort of changing names and changing game moves, but the premises are all very similar, especially in topical comedy. Yeah. Um, but even even in other stuff too, even a lot of characters are like you'll see characters that are like, well, this one's a dude and this one's a girl, but it's really the same character, mm-hmm. just a different actor playing it. How do you avoid doing the same stuff when you're following the same rules? It's a great question. Um, I. I think I have something close to an answer. Cool. And it, I think in that case, it it comes to performance and more than that, like humanity. Like if you play something grounded, like if it's if it's based on cliches and tropes and like a tried and true premise, then like play it as grounded as you can, because what you haven't seen too much is like. A, like a real human being in like a cliche c- circumstance like and i think on on our team it doesn't have to be this way that's what we kind of strive for in a, a large extent it's like well how would a real person re- respond like if this if their life was falling apart this, <laughs> if this really insane thing was happening we try to take it from that point of view i think like um, and we try to find like the tragedy in it, you know, right. um, like the, uh, like we, we try to really push up the sadness <laughs> a lot. Yeah. So, um, cause like, you know, I mean, it, I think it's like, even if people aren't laughing, they'll be like, well, I recognize that as like, you know, it's human behavior. It's yeah. very humane and, and they'll oftentimes you'll find like a a backdoor in in a same similar way like um one kind of weird example i guess uh so I, I, you know most people are familiar with the movie planes trains and automobiles i would imagine it's i i think you know it's a really great comedy and um you know uh i've seen it so many times but like steve martin and john candy and that are like such a blatant odd couple duo it should be boring and dull as paint because it's like we've seen this a trillion times. But in that movie, it's not because largely because it's like John Candy, even though he's playing the the obnoxious slob, he's so human. You're like, I recognize that guy. I know guy. So many guys like that. And Steve Martin, I think similarly as like not just the uptight guy, but like he, he's recognizable as a human being. So it's like. If you try to find like human characteristics, you know, grounded human characteristics, then people will not be they'll they'll be very forgiving and appreciative even of like the more cliche elements. Okay, I get that. I understand that. That makes sense. That's a good 
good response. I didn't think about that. And I guess, yeah, I think a lot of times you get, when you see stuff, you're like, oh, I, I know where this is from. And it's a lot in the character element as well as in just the response. Because you're right, no one's, no one's ever seen, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a sketch off the top of my head. Um, but I'll just make one up. No one's seen how someone would truly act uh, at a DMV when a DMV person is selling crack. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's a terrible premise, but it's (laughs) it's like there's so many people. You could be like, oh, yeah, man, let me buy some crack. Or you could be like, no, are you selling me fucking crack? Like, how would you react? And and I think if you put your, your... if you have a good actor that's being honest and true, that shit is so funny. That'd be hilarious. You know, yeah. because it's just, it's one of those things, like, <laughs> you would love to be at a DMV <laughs> and have someone there trying to sell you crack, you yeah. know? Um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it goes into your imagination more, and then it's it's fun. That's something maybe I should work on that, because I think a lot of what I do sometimes is, how weird can I make this, because... <laughs> Because I'm tired of watching father-daughter scenes, or I'm tired yeah. of watching husband-wife scenes, or boyfriend-girlfriend scenes, so I write X-Men with an elephant trunk for dick, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what my head does is like, I don't want to do this anymore. I get, mm-hmm. my, head, my brain gets bored, yeah. when really what I need to do is just maybe find like the part of that that I haven't seen mm-hmm. and write something a little more realistic. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, for, I, I mean, for a long time... I had been talking to sketch comedians about trying to. Uh, my old old team at IO, uh, Mr. Worm, like we we talked about doing a show with no jokes, where every sketch was dramatic and and sad, and like, you know, we we really were kind of interested. In it. We never did it, and because it was a bad idea, <laughs> you know, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you you get tired of the same thing after a while, and you 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 kind of yearn to push things. And I do think it, and it doesn't have to be this way, which is a team on now, we've taken that to a degree. Like most of our shows, and they're not always successful, but there's almost always an element of tragedy on some level, and like deep human tragedy. And, and it usually happens to Torson. It usually happens to a guy named Dan Torson, yes. <laughs> like we act, he's a really funny actor who somehow is able to, like, he's very, somehow both very expressive and broad and grounded simultaneously like it's really yeah. strange but nebraska but, he's a nebraska boy too yeah which yeah. is always a very kind of special thing yeah. to me so we uh what we do as a team often you know individually and together we're like what can we do to destroy torson you know like <laughs> what what would make you know what what can we do to just watch his life fall apart and it's especially fun because he's like also like a really tall, handsome type guy. So it's like we just want to destroy him so badly. And it's like <laughs> we just relish seeing him torn apart and like see his life crumble around him. Like his family is always getting into horrible car wrecks and in <laughs> sketches or like he discovers that his children aren't his and his life. Like he's always learning some horrific secret you know it's like very it's just it's always very fun for us but yeah yeah um i particularly like when you guys get this is probably says more about me than does about you guys i really like when you guys get weird 
Like the when you guys were snapping the guy with the towel and they just kept getting stuck <laughs> in his ass and then he had to pull all the towels out of his mouth because yeah. all the towels got stuck in his ass. That was hilarious to me. Um, like that's the kind of stuff. I didn't get to see the one where you guys completely destroyed the stage with sandwiches. I had to leave. Oh, that's too bad. I heard it was great. It was a blast. And that was all for Mike Canale, who uh, was, uh, you know, the backbone in so many ways. Like, that guy was a great director, I, I for me, you know. And um, really smart, funny guy who, you know, he kind of helped certainly inform my point of view about, like, embracing the tragedy and the dramatic in sketches is, like, because that's usually what's missing. Uh, that's when it gets too hacky is when you get too far removed from, like, the real repercussions. Like, if something absurd happens and then you see the true actual repercussions of it, like, that makes it that much fun. Right. You know, and yeah. he gets that. He always got that. So, um, and he had a weird idea that involved... Uh, so stupid just destroying the stage and making forcing us basically we had to force feed ourselves sandwiches for five minutes until we were basically throwing up sandwiches all over the stage <laughs> but uh yeah we, we yeah we try not to be afraid of, of weirdness you know yeah but. i have a question no one asked this uh we haven't but i'm gonna set a precedence what's the worst sketch you ever saw who wrote it <laughs> <laughs> and specifically um what's Christ. the roast what what's the roast <laughs> what's the worst sketch um a guy i like to call axel has ever written <laughs> oh axel uh uh yeah uh anyway what i what i really want to know is do you uh I, this might just be a co- comedian thing but I don't ever really remember any of the good sketches I write. I only remember the bad ones, like the <laughs> terrible ones, the ones that you sit at at home at night in your bed and then you think about them and you like wiggle because you're like, oh god, it was so bad. I can't believe people watched me. Do you have a? Uh, uh, how do you get through those moments? <laughs> <laughs> do you have those? Moments? Or do you have those moments? Um, or did you writing bad sketches? Well, and, and then putting them and up, and putting them of... up in front of people. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I've written horrible, horrible sketches, and um, uh, I mean, it's been a while. Fortunately, like when I I was doing, I was doing a lot of my worst work at I.O. before anyone was coming to our shows. You know, we would put up bad shows for nobody, which is interesting in a way because it's depressing, but it's also liberating. And and I think, you know, we had, we were fortunate, I was fortunate to have that freedom, you know, that a lot of people today don't have because it's such a saturated marketplace. But, you know, it didn't, it didn't matter. We could do whatever, we could dick around. You know, people would write stupid sketches, we would put them up, and um, it helped us develop voices. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, uh, it's. I guess like I don't care that much anymore about because I don't put up. If I'm putting up a sketch, I generally believe in it. I mean, I can't remember the last time I put up a sketch that I didn't believe in on some level. You know, even if I knew it was weird or part particularly stupid i always you know i usually at least ad- admired something about it but um i mean the sketch i don't know i didn't think the sketch that we did on our last show um that i wrote and i didn't think it would did too great which was um the uh 
the girl and her, the girl and her horse that she kind of sort of wanted to fuck, which I think was, <laughs> was called. and like it was just it was a funny idea to me, and it was like a parody of like. There's some realism in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like a parody of like those Black Stallion, like all those movies. Like it's like a whole genre of girls who are like 13 and they're just like adore this horse. And you're always like, I think she's kind of into that horse, you know? <laughs> so like that was the premise. But, I, you know, it wasn't that, like that's as far as it went. It wasn't super smart, really. And I didn't think it went that well, but. I was happy to be putting it up. I was fine with it. I didn't care that only a couple people were laughing. Uh, <laughs> Jason K, bless his soul, um, yeah. and a few others. But like you know, uh, I if I didn't think something's funny, I just don't care. You know. I had the worst experience in my life with that on our last show because there's a character that I've been working on for years <laughs> and i've been pitching it for so long and finally mr banis here allowed me to do it way to go banis <laughs> and i go. was so proud i was so excited to get to do it and people that, that i'd pitched it to actually came to the show because they were knew how excited i was to finally get to put this character up <laughs> and man that first half was who, who who laughed yeah. the hardest? Jeremiah laughed the <laughs> hardest because he knew he was laughing more at how much he knew it meant to me and how quiet the room was for the first half of it. It, it did well at the end. The last half yeah. was fine. Well, well is a relative. no. <laughs> the only part it was it was the Dave Chappelle stuff that people didn't laugh at. Everything yeah. else I got laughed at. But man, it was God that hurt. Yeah, but was, we know why the Dave Chappelle stuff didn't work. It right. was very bad timing. Because Dave Chappelle, it, the whole joke was like a guy still doing old Dave, you know, Chappelle show impressions from, you know, 12 years ago. And it was like, he's so detached from reality. He's such a pathetic loser. But then it turned out that uh, Dave Chappelle hosted <laughs> SNL the, the night, night prior, yeah. you know, had his huge comeback the night before our show. Yeah. And so he was popular in, in the zeitgeist again, all of a sudden. So it was like, what the what is going on? Well, How and it's a white thing? guy doing yeah. Dave Chappelle impersonations. You should have done a uh, a fly by the seat of your pants switch. Switch the jokes and the characters to, um, I don't know, Martin Lawrence Shanene. Hindsight's 2020. And also, I will say this, the Dave Chappelle uh, was great until he went to Africa joke was something I thought was really funny. Or not... That I just got man. I just made myself sound like a real shitty person. That wasn't the joke. The joke was, <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but I thought that was going to be a really funny joke. Well, like it could a, have been any. Yeah. That would have been a good exercise in how fast you could switch shit up. You know, do yeah. some uh, danger field. <laughs> the night before, I almost called Banis and said, "I don't think I want to do this character tomorrow." But Aww. I because I, because Dave Chappelle did Saturday Night Live, I was like, I don't mm-hmm. think the time. See, right. I didn't even know that to be honest. Really? Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't watch the Dave Chappelle thing. I was kind of. You just were like, oh, this just isn't funny. Yeah, I, I didn't laugh because I uh, I thought it was terrible. But, <laughs> but no, no, um, it was bad. Uh, but <laughs> no, it was great. It was really great. Uh, anyways, but I so that that stuff it it's hard to tell. Like because I thought, I mean, I told Jeremiah, dude. It's going to crush, dude. 
<laughs> yeah, he told me it crushed That's before. Hilarious. He did it at one theater. It crushed. It did. I did do it at one really? theater, and it did do really, really well. That's good. It's, uh, so he theater. says. I wasn't there, so I nobody would. Nobody is there to. <laughs> yeah. But it did. There was no one there, but it crushed. Yeah, there's yeah. like. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird though that. Um, I I think the more I've done sketch now, the more I become detached to where it's like I think this is funny, mm-hmm. and I think you kind of have to have that like I don't really care if you think it's funny. Yeah, that frees I, you up a little bit because you don't set expectations for yourself. You're not like ah oh, man, I'm expecting them to laugh. You're just like this is something that makes me laugh, mm-hmm. and I've written pretty much for probably about six to eight months now with that kind of mentality of like all right i'm just gonna write stuff that i think is funny because i just i get my heart broken man. <laughs> yeah. it's like sad as it is it's just like just i get so heartbroken because i just want to make you know it's like what you were talking about when you were with neil campbell and you you want to make them you want to make your heroes laugh you go out there because you want to make you want to entertain you know mm-hmm. you want to make people chuckle well the other thing is also it, once you've done it long enough you've seen great material mm-hmm bomb mm-hmm. and you know and you've seen a, a great sketch kill one night and then get nothing the next night so you're like oh okay yeah just because this audience isn't go- going for it it doesn't mean it's a bad sketch i think know? that's that's exactly what happened we had done well dad genius the team one did a show on the dct and it was great and yeah. then we went and we did a show on the main stage and it wasn't great and i was mm-hmm. like this was like I know this stuff is funny, but right. they don't they don't connect with it. So at that point, I was like, "Well, fuck, man!" Like, yeah. there's so many different comedic points of view, and and Adam Crow wasn't there that night, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe Adam Crow is what holds Dad Jeans together, maybe. and when he's not there, you guys just aren't as funny. Could be, could be. Yeah. That just means it's worse for you because you try to step <laughs> in. Yeah, I was Adam Crow. Yeah, that you night. were Adam Crow that <laughs> night. Or, or I like to think of it like this. Tweety was so bad <laughs> that we couldn't overcome. <laughs> I had three people compliment my pirate, so. Um, yeah. uh, but, but, yeah. but no, but I think, yeah, that, that's a good point. That was the turning point for me to where I was just like, and I should have known that. I guess that's happened before. I just never, it never really clicked in mm-hmm. my brain. Everyone um, bombs, you know. Yeah. And um, every, you know, you Seinfeld, can't distract Chappelle, you. you know, all the greatest guys ever have bombed horribly. You know? I refuse to think that Dave Chappelle ever bombed. For anybody that, that knows me knows that he <laughs> is, well, I would say it's a tie between him and Andy Kaufman are my two, like, kind of comedy mm-hmm. idols. If you if you watch Inside the Actors Studio, he talks about it. Oh, does he? Yeah, I've I, seen that bit where he smoke he smokes like eighteen cigarettes while he's <laughs> being interviewed. Uh, was that it? I don't, the, I don't yeah, know if he was smoking cigarettes. Oh, dude, yeah, he was smoking. <laughs> it's because he's only done it once, I think. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. yeah. Um, I think we're so we're we're getting we're getting a little long. We should jump into the sketch now. Let's let's read it. So this is because um, Dan gives me notes every week. We decided mm-hmm. to. Have you note Jeremiah? Switch it up, switch it up. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Jeremiah's got a sketch. Um, we are going to read it, and then you're going to note it. All right, let's note do it, up. it. Okay, cool. cool. All right, so this is a sketch I wrote called uh, Return Center. Uh, Dan, do you mind reading stage and guest one? I do not mind. All right, Tweety Bird, will you read, uh, let's see, Jason? Okay. And I'll read Rich. Okay. Interior, Jalmart. Rich is working behind the customer service desk. Welcome to Jalmart. How can I help you today? I'd like to make a return, please. Sounds good. What do you have here? 
Rich pulls out a two-liter Coke bottle that's half empty. Guest one hands him a receipt. It was flat. I mean, it looks like it might have drank half, but I poured it. But please, ma'am, it's okay. We return any item, any condition. That's our policy. Rich scans the item and types into a computer, then hands her a receipt. 157 will be going back on your MasterCard. Have a great day. Guest one exits and Jason enters in, carrying multiple items to be returned. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. What can I do for you today? I'd like to make some returns. Okay, sure thing. Let's take a look at what you have here. Uh, Jason sets the basket on the table, and Rich takes out a roll of duct tape that's been opened. All right. Didn't need all this tape. (laughs) (laughs) Just one little strip. Jason mimes a strip with his finger as he presses it against Rich's mouth. About this big. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'll just scan that here and then move on to the next item. Rich scans the barcode on the duct tape and puts it aside. He pulls out a dirty pair of gloves with mud on them. One pair of gloves? They didn't fit. <laughs> of course not. Not a problem. I didn't use them. Okay. Rich scans the gloves and puts them aside. He pulls out a bloody t-shirt. Oh, oh my God, there's blood on this. No, uh-uh. <laughs> yes, there's blood on this shirt and dirt, and it's ripped. This is a huge, bloody, dirty shirt. Looks like ketchup. <laughs> okay, well, regardless, it's not a problem. Okay, I'll go ahead and credit you. Probably, probably came this way, right? Rich pulls out a chainsaw, takes it out of the case to inspect it, and it's got blood all over it. All right, this is a bloody chainsaw. There's no reason for a chainsaw to have blood on it. Also ketchup. Unless. Rich starts to pull out more items. Trash pegs, zip ties, a bottle of ether, a map of buried faces, a suicide note that if I get caught by the piggies. Uh, Rich pulls out a camcorder that is playing a video of Jason murdering someone. A camcorder you used to document the murder? That's not me. Oh, I think it is. You bring me all this, this evidence, and think you can just return it all like I'm some kind of dummy? Rich picks up the phone and dials a number. Hey, Keith. Yeah, I got a problem here. Hey, Keith. Yeah, I got a problem here. Jason from Friday the 13th is here. Yeah, uh-huh, the actual Jason. He's making a return with items from his murders. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, funny you should ask. The worst part of it, he has no receipt. So I was thinking, can we just give him store credit? Uh, <laughs> we did it. Yeah, I buried the the game on <laughs> deep into page two, Dan. Yeah, this is a fact. <laughs> this is a fact. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's funny. That's good. <laughs> That's literally also the first thing everybody says every time they after we. Ah, it's ah. every time. Yeah. That's hilarious. Get to it sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah, so exactly. You should get to it sooner, in my estimation. <clears throat> so I think, like, guest one can be leaving right at the top. So, like, we, we just see a little... Um, just a, a tiny bit of interaction between Rich and guest Like, maybe one. here just saying, like, have a great day. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It maybe mentions one thing that he got. It's like, you know... Have fun with those, uh, you know, whatever, that gallon of milk. Have a great day. (laughs) But, you know, you know what I mean? Just, like, give it a little bit of something. And then, um, and then guest number two comes in, and it's Jason from Friday the 13th. Because it's, like, that's really the... The, the crux of it, right? It's like... Yeah. Is he wearing the yeah. Jason mask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I should have been more descriptive, I think, probably mm-hmm. in the stage. But, yeah, I mean, my thought is... Yeah. Jason yeah. So, um... 
I mean, ultimately, though, I would say it doesn't it it, it doesn't heighten particularly that much, you mm-hmm. know. And a, a part of me would say, like, so what is the the crazy thing in the sketch? Is it Jason is the crazy one, or the I mean, the crazier character is Rich. Like, he's very much a character, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you play him as a character, so it's like a crazy thing happening to a crazy character. And that's, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is a challenging place to, to start, for sure. Um, so play him normal? Like, like uh, you say, like just be a... Yeah, I mean, if, if, if Jason is, is coming, I would play it as a normal dude, you know, who's like, oh, but, hey, man, <laughs> this is a lot of ether <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, knives, bloody knives. How are they already bloody, you know? Okay. Um, and uh, maybe you could take off the hockey mask in here so I could hear you, you know? Yeah. You're breathing very heavy underneath that. Uh, we're inside. You, you know, so it's like you, you'd probably want to make it a, a more normal guy. Um, and then Jay, in seeing, like, this normal guy re- re- responding to a very disturbed, bizarre situation. Gotcha. Um, although, if you wanted to make... Because you seem to be having fun with Rich. And if it's, like, if it's more the game that of Rich as a character and how he's responding to increasingly strange um, or, or just in, his his responses to various customers. And in that case, Jason would be the third beat and you'd see two characters before him who were uh, other beats, you know, less absurd than Jason. And maybe it's like, yeah, maybe that's the the game is that is how interested and how happy and just like upbeat and simple minded Rich is with each, each customer. He just has such a positive attitude, you know. Mm-hmm. And you see the first person is like kind of just like an agitated um, housewife who's just kind of kind of being shitty to him, and but he's just ridiculously sweet and interested in her life. And um, then there's another person who's like more irrit- like maybe just like a a really grouchy old man or something who's just like being a dick. Like Clint Eastwood from uh, yeah, what's uh, that movie where he Gran Torino? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, and then you see he's just as sweet, if not sweeter, to this this guy who's just like mean and horrible. And then you're like, okay. And then you see it. It's the an even more extreme person which is Jason, and so it's more, even more, like, it couldn't be more absurd that he's being this nice and interested and sweet and naive about his life, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's what we're seeing. Because, I mean, I I think Ridge is, frankly, the most interesting part, like, the most fun part of it, like, the way you play it. What if it's not Jason? What if it's just... Totally. Yeah. You don't need Jason at all. It could just be any person who's mm-hmm. trying to return murder items. Yeah. Because I think there's two, there's kind of, I guess I had two half ideas, right? And I try to mix them and it nev- that never works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should know better, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So it's like the first is you have a guy who is discovering a murder has occurred through returning items. Mm-hmm. And I think if that's the thing, then you play that guy straight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or the other game is a person who works at a, customer service center or whatever and will literally return anything 
Yeah. And if that's the case, then I need to heighten. Right. That's a very that's a very different game. Probably a more interesting right. one, more specific. I like that yeah. because it's like as consumers, which is a funny way to think of people, but like as people who don't work at retail outlets but do you know frequent them you know we all want to be able to return items and we all are like oh, i hope they return you know i hope they take this mm -hmm. and sometimes i find i'm surprised like there'll be something i've used for a week but i want to return it and then they take it so and i'm like wow i can't believe they took it so it'd be interesting to see the person who will take anything like like we're you know used cleavers with human blood stained all over them and maybe like the phrase help me written in blood on a shirt or something you know and like that would be the so it takes it with a smile no problem we have a return policy here you know like that'd be really funny to me mm -hmm. um yeah i think that's a, a cool way to take it and rich can still be that same character mm -hmm. in that i think right it's totally just, now yeah. it's not a mur the murder he almost has to be a character in that scenario. right right yeah. the murder i mean that's the premise is yeah. he is a guy who will accept anything or mm -hmm. store pol maybe it's not you know maybe he has a man maybe he's mm -hmm. a manager and he has some leniency on which he can decide what stays and what doesn't well, and he's yeah. very lenient but i think the murder stuff is then one beat of that mm -hmm. I th right i think it needs to heighten past murder right uh probably like yeah. Some sort of mass genocide, yeah. <laughs> like some nuclear <laughs> terrorist, you know, something like that, yeah. or a cross, a cross that they yeah. hung Jesus on. Because like yeah, when you hide, how right. you hide in past? Right. That's a that's a yeah, mm -hmm. some time traveling <laughs> Roman soldier yeah. who has yeah, exactly. like how do you hide in past murder? It always ends up in heaven or outer space. Yeah. A demon, you know. I like to go inside my brain, and mm -hmm. then you battle the consciousness. That is the <laughs> yeah. ultimate height. Oh. <laughs> well, there you have it. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I like the character, and I think that's a fun way to take it. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right, great. Jalmart, everybody. Jalmart. Jalmart. Yeah, uh, so they made fun of me because I didn't say Walmart, but... Um, I, my director for my team, whose name will not be mentioned, um, gave me notes and said, maybe don't say Walmart because then you'll, it'll seem like it's a commentary on Walmart. So I called it Jalmart because that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, but, no. And it's funny because the one yeah. thing that stuck to me at first was like, just call just call it Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> but then the other part of it is, is that because it's Walmart, it becomes, if it, any other store, it probably wouldn't matter. Yeah. But yeah. because it's Walmart, it automatically has like this hinge of like, trashiness to it yeah and like well not just trashiness but like everybody hates walmart because they're like mm -hmm. ruining small town america right mm -hmm. so maybe that's right maybe i make it like burt's hardware store mm -hmm. or like burt's convenience store or something more like local mom and pop yeah pomida do you guys right. know pomida you guys have pomidas where you're from no no mm. it's like a that's it's... a good note i think i like that yeah because i mean it, it just because it is walmart like yeah. mm-hmm because, like, Pomida, Pomida is, like, a, in small towns in Nebraska and I think, think like, Iowa and some of those other surrounding states. Mm -hmm. It's a guy who made a store, like a Shopco, which is probably also something you've never heard of. No. Um, <laughs> or a hy V, no? Okay. I so, know hy V. Oh, do you? Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, and uh, he named it after his three grandkids, Pam, Mike, and Dave. Oh. Pomida. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's a true That's story. very cute, you know? Um, but it's like a little small town kind of Walmart-y thing, but not as but little, like not big. Gotcha, nice. 
I I um I had I had written this sketch it was months ago and got some notes back on it and it was slightly different. It had a, a third character in there where pretty much the rich character was someone who would you had a you had two cashiers, right? Or two customer service. One was rich and another one was the straight man version. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of the same thing with the murder items happening. So the straight man is like, I don't know like I, you can't return this. This is bloody. And then the rich would come and interject, like, "Hey, it's store policy. You, they have you have to accept it, right?" Um, does that distract? Is there any way to re-implement that, or does it just distract from the the game of just this one person who is, you know? You're saying store policy versus his own self, for sure. Yeah, De- yeah no, I, I I was gonna mention this and I, I forgot to, but um, yeah, it shouldn't. I don't think. The store policy is important, uh, you know. Um, I think it's more even, and even if that is part of it, like it could be a, a line that, if if need be, like if it's helpful in writing it, yes. But what's much more important is what it means to to Rich, you know. Like it's very important to him. Like he takes a lot of pride in the fact that they will take it back. You know, he considers it like an important service that he's helping to do because, like. That's much more interesting than like, well, this is the place that I work. Like right. he, he needs to be invested in it, For sure. you know. So. Personal belief. Yeah. And then I could also, I guess, another sketch would be the the flip side of this is you have a straight guy who's, I mean, a straight man who's working at a return center, and you have someone who's trying to return murder mm-hmm. items, but is being unsuccessful. Yeah. You know, and so you make the character then the person who murdered people. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's another take. Maybe. Yeah, t- yeah, definitely. Um, I, don't know I, like I like this that one as maybe funny, more. But, I feel yeah. like that one's almost—it's a little more common, I would say. Mm-hmm. But um, but this is a—I think this is a more interesting take. Cool. Yeah. I'll rework it. Put it up. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. Let's. Uh, we're gonna watch. We're gonna. We're gonna watch a sketch that yeah. Bannis brought in. Mm-hmm. And, and then we'll take that. We'll take yeah. the link to it, and we'll put it on our Twitter feed, which is at. Foo Pod, F O O W P O D, or on Facebook, um, just Google Fish Out of Water Podcast, or Face, whatever you know what I mean. Find it on Facebook. You're smart. You can figure it out. And uh, do the work for us. Yeah. Well, yeah. because it, it just doesn't sound as good when we put it in the podcast. We've tried a couple times, and it's just kind of poppy and crappy because it's YouTube. Um, so just go watch it there, and then you'll know what we're talking about. Otherwise, you can just imagine a different sketch and take these notes and see if they help you with a sketch you're writing. So do whatever you got to do. But um, we're going to go watch a sketch, and then we're going to be back. Be back. Okay. So the name of the sketch was? Uh, something about a guy caught on a tree. <laughs> yeah, something like guy stuck on a tree. Yeah, yeah. Um, how... Performed by who? Bonafide? Uh, yeah, it's a group that used to be a monument. used to be called Bonafide, and then they were graduated and had like a monthly show off Mod Night. And now I think they're just, I don't think they exist anymore. I might be wrong, but I think they're gone. Yeah, there's, yeah, I, because I know like um, Lelon was on other teams, mm-hmm. and Ryan Meharry, I've seen on other teams, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Andrew DeFonso Marx was like writing stuff for Comedy Central, I think, for a minute there. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're all busy people, successful, super, uber successful Hollywood types. Well, and the other girl, I can never remember her name, but she's on Cardinal Redbird. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know I can never remember her name. But Girl she's, on Cardinal Redbird. But she's so funny. Mm-hmm. Not Beth Appel. He was also super funny, but mm-hmm. it's not her from Cardinal Redbird. Either way, she was in that, and she's really funny as well. Yeah, it's a hilarious <laughs> sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, in my, obviously. That's why I brought it in. I had nothing to do with it except you can hear me laughing during <laughs> part of it if you watch the YouTube clip. Um, yeah, so uh, do you want me to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. What sort of question? Like, I guess break it down. Like, yeah. uh, So people that didn't listen to it know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like what the premise yeah, is. Yeah, so, okay. Um, it starts with like a very bizarre, surreal um, uh, image of uh, like a, 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 they painted a tree, like a big giant sort of elm tree looking thing on the back of a, um, at the back of the stage. And then they created like a, a, a paper and paint and paper mache or something, <clears throat> like a big like tree branch that looked like it was sticking out of the actor Ryan Meharry. And with like, it was all looked like bloody and bizarre. So you just got a sense, like it, it painted this bizarre picture and put you right into this scene of like something insane happened where a guy got impaled by a tree branch, which to me is a great way to start a sketch, like right in the middle of something insane. It's not like two people sitting you know, uh, at a restaurant where, where it's like you're waiting for <clears> it to happen. Something is happening. You know, we, we're in it already. You know, so I, to me, that's a great start. I'm already, I can't wait. You know, I'm just intrigued. I'm like, well, what, what is this? Where is this going? And um, so then, you know, two uh, cops come up and, uh, or paramedics or something. Like, <laughs> it's kind of unclear. But, um, but one was a cop. Because he had a badge. <laughs> right. It might have just been. It could have been a mall cop. Yeah. 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 It could, it's probably police, just the costume. An that officer they have. of sorts. Of some sort. Yeah. yeah. A, an official. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they want to pull out uh, the tree branch. They'll tell him that, uh, you know, he's going to die. They, they want to, they're going to pull it out. But he's like, well, what if, and they, they tell him as soon as we pull it out, you will die. But obviously we have to get you off of here and he's like well what if i just stay here and like that is the crux of the sketch like that's the premise and it's um i like it for a number of reasons first of all weirdly enough like it's a premise that's based on a weird very random but but very like obscure but real trope of of, in movies and tv it made me think of signs signs exactly Mm -hmm. that's the first one there you go but there's others i'm sure there are other examples out there but signs you know his wife was in a car wreck and they're like well as soon as we get move pull her from the wreck she will die so it's like she's stuck in the car have you guys ever heard of the the old kind of i don't know what you'd call them but they were films called faces of death Yes, yes. There's actually, I never would watch them, my friends would, because right. they're like just like sadist assholes, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, but they fucking would watch these things. And for those that don't know, it's mm-hmm. people dying in real life. Like they mm-hmm. just caught them on VHS tape and then they just made a bunch of them and sold them. And one of them is a the guy that got hit by a subway and he's like, his body acted like a natural yes. tourniquet. And the whole scene is the cops telling the guy, we're going to pull you up underneath the subway train and you're gonna die oh my god wow so, now back so, to comedy yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you for it's that a, life check yeah it's yeah. a trope from real life apparently <laughs> yeah. but um but yeah so it's a thing that happens and um 
So in this case, like the the funny thing, the unusual thing, it's like the like what if? It's like well, what if he just didn't go anywhere? And he's just like, all right, this is my new reality, which is funny in a lot of ways. Um, like I, I mentioned, like keeping something like grounded in like a humanity, and I moreover than that, it's like human experience, and to me, like that's an extreme absurdist version of human experience where like people have trauma occur in their lives all the time. And then it's like, well, this is just my life now. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I have cancer and I have to go on. So it's like, it's built in a real tragic sort of reality that people can, can relate to, even though this is an extreme absurd version of it. I did feel sad. Watching this, yeah. I mean, it was one of those weird kind of like you're you're laughing, but it's it's it became kind of like so true. It's like, oh man, (laughs) and you kind of see it coming, right? You sort of see it coming, yeah. Yeah. And then you sort of see the ending coming, right? And then they pull the rug out from underneath you. I I was surprised, and it's so obvious though what's gonna happen in hindsight. But it's like, but I was surprised, you know. I knew that they were. I thought ruining this. Sketch, but you're gonna go watch it anyways. Yeah, hopefully you watch it beforehand. Beforehand is when they. I knew that they would pull the branch out and he would be okay. Uh-huh. I knew that was gonna happen. Uh, yeah. And then the next beat is when they pulled the rug out from underneath me. I was like, ah, I didn't, they did not see that. Yeah. Coming. What's that phrase? The gun, Schrodinger's. Schrodinger. Uh, no, Chekhov's uh, gun. Chekhov's yeah, Schrodinger's yeah. cat and yeah. Chekhov's gun. I'm getting. If you, if you present yeah. the gun in the first act, you have to use yeah, it in the you third. You got to use it in the third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you see have to it. Use it on a cat in a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if that yeah. cat gets shot, is it still alive even when you're not yeah. looking at it? Maybe. Yeah, it is. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> all cats live in comedy, yeah. all right? Or else you're going to lose a lot of people. Right. <laughs> wrote a book about it. No. Um, so, yeah, so he's like, uh, so then he lives a life that's full and full, mostly full of tragedy after that, which is, again, another layer of how funny it is to me. So, uh, so the joke is he keeps living his life uh, with the branch, stuck in him he get, meets a girl has a child like starts a family leads like his life doesn't even really start and they actually note that early on that they're like well can, is there anyone we can call he's like no i have no one in my life <laughs> so in a weird way like having a tragedy occur saved his life uh, which is an interesting again like an ironic sort of thing and then ultimately though <laughs> so he meets a girl falls in love they have a child his his they he, they get married you know he, she dies young and leaves him to raise the child <laughs> on, on while his he's own, stuck in a tree stuck on a tree yeah. the child dies young like <laughs> you know and some weird accident going to school and so he's left alone again and then, so they show him that you cut, flash far into his old age, and he's still sitting on the tree, and uh, the old paramedic cop people are still there with him uh, again, and they're, they're old friends now, and he makes a note, and he's like, well, I've lived my whole full life on this tree, <laughs> and I kind of wish I'd had it pulled out. It was really bad. Like, the existence of life sucks, you know? <laughs> Having a full, gratifying <laughs> life is a bad yeah. is a bad thing. I would have rather just been dead. <laughs> so, like, all of these things are very funny, darkly comic ideas right. to me. Yeah. And then, um, 
So he's like, at this point, I just want you to pull it out. Like, I have nothing left. You know, my love is dead. My child is dead. I've outlived all those people. Like they say, that's the worst thing that could happen is to outlive your child. So like, he's experienced such grief, you know, and they're like, just, I want to pull it out. I'm, I'm ready, you know. And he, you know, they they bring, uh, they have like a little symbol. He puts on his wife's old cap. And he's, you know, and he's like, I, you know, and then uh, he's like, I'm ready and pull it out. So they pull out the branch and uh, what, what do you know? He's fine, you know, and he, he, which is funny in a lot of ways because A, it, then you, you realize, oh my God, he thought he had to be stuck here and he didn't. He could have been out living his life. But that's too late. But he's still, which is a funny thing, too, where people feel like in, in life, I feel it's a funny thing when you feel like it's after getting out of a horrible situation and you feel like the sense of liberation and you're like, mm. everything looks bright. But if you think about it, you, what you don't want to do is think about all the years you wasted <laughs> stuck in the, the bad situation, you know, right. like if you're in a bad relationship or something. Right. So, um but he thinks he's able to look past it and look on the bright side. And all of a sudden he's like, look, you know, I have my whole life ahead of me. And after all that grief and suffering, everything, you know, maybe it's all going to be okay. And so he has just one minute of hope before then he realizes that his all his innards fall out. <laughs> and it just was a delayed response. And exactly what they said was going to happen happened, whatever, 45 years or whatever later. And then, so then you see him have a drawn-out death. His two friends just run because it's so horrible, such a gruesome scenario. So he's left to die alone. And he's what makes it even funnier to me is like he's dying in the most um, graceless way possible. Like he's dying, and he's just saying like, "Oh, this." God damn, this is horrible. My life is awful. I, you know, this pain is, you know, he's like not dying with any sort of dignity whatsoever. He's He's a screaming mess. (laughs) Just like, this is, I don't want to die. No, this is not what I want. You know, and like, so he's not happy regardless. You just kind of hate him at this point. (laughs) He just seems like just such a piece of shit, you know. And and you feel that way after his his wife died, his daughter died. Right. So, like, I I just find it funny in so many ways. I I feel like they they made so many smart, interesting, funny choices along the, the progression of the sketch. And I could also, what I always love to see is, like, where I can feel the voices of everyone in the writer's room working together in a positive way Mm -hmm. to, like, push it further and further and further than maybe what if this happens, what if this happens. But it doesn't feel disparate, you know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll see a sketch and you feel like it's a million voices pulling in different directions. This one, it pushed it always in the right direction. Collective. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I look at this sketch. This sketch was very uh, informative for me. I'm like, after watching, I'm like, that's what I want to do. It's, uh, for one, it's dramatic. I'm like, this is something that should be on a stage. It, it is visual, you know, viscerally appealing, visually interesting. The performances are very good. It, it uses media well, music and, and uh, lighting and, and obviously stage sets and such. 
Um, everything's used well. It's very economical. It, it goes through 45 years in a very short span, and it's very coherent. And it's based on, like, it's a really funny microcosm of, of all of life in a very cynical, dark way, you know. Um, so I, I was like, this is a really great. And this is so far removed from the stuff I don't like, which is just, like, super topical, like, trendy, pop culture or, like, mm -hmm. just based on w some clever wordplay, which is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But overly clever. It's not overly clever, you know, this sketch. It's more just like it's about guttural human It is one of those, sadness, at least for me, it's like, know. damn, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. I love those sketches yeah. that are like that to where it's like that's such a funny idea. And once you have the premise, it almost feels like it pretty much When, I, when he itself. said that, I knew, like, I was like, oh, this is going to be great because he's going to live out his, like, he's going to be an old man. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. and we're going to see, and that that's the great thing I love, I, I, I really enjoyed about this sketch was I knew it was going to go till he was an old man. Yeah. But I didn't know any of the in-between. So you're getting surprised and yeah. it's, it's comment, yeah, commentating or like a commentary on life, mm -hmm. which is very like funny to me you know like to throw that in this weird context is, right. is really like brilliant you, you know, know the you know. death scene reminded me of What's that? are you guys game of thrones fans yeah yeah, uh, I, I know. yeah. the hodor scene uh, i am not that far but I, i'm uh, familiar with it yeah. you know what the hodor scene yeah, is yeah i know it well enough yeah so like it would I... just ruin <laughs> no it's fine I, I don't care that much yeah i mean you've had over a year you've had over a year i know it's on you me. should go At you should point, go back on. and say spoiler <laughs> no i here's the thing you only gotta you have to do that for the first six months yeah after yeah. that it's on you totally you know netflix has sort of made spoilers not matter anymore yeah because well, have you guys seen the show goliath Mm -mm. With Billy no. Bob Thornton on Amazon. No, Prime. I don't watch Amazon great. Prime. Yeah. Very good. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's really good. I've been I've been been, been watching oh, it. Check it Anyways, out. plug uh, Goliath. I'm, okay, uh, cool. Writer for it. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> Casual watcher. Uh, uh, speaking of plugs, we're at that time. Let's plug it up. Yeah. Um, and by plugs, really mean just you know, tell us whatever you want to tell us about. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't know. Come out to I.O. Watch It Doesn't Have to Be This Way. Watch Miss Smith. Um, I have a sketch coming out shortly on the internet, which I haven't, uh, I haven't shot and edited and put up a sketch in a long time. Very excited about that. Um, so that'll be out in a uh, very soon. And you'll send us a link, and then we'll post it yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, totally. It, it has a Christmassy holiday theme. Oh, so cool. Hopefully well before that, because it's the season. Yeah. That's Tis stuff. the season. Yes. Uh, uh, Dad Jeans, second Sunday of the month. Uh, we share the 9 o'clock hour. Yeah. Big boy hour, as they call it. Yeah, um, Big boy. <laughs> um, we are the same night yeah. as Dad yeah. Jeans in the 10 o'clock hour, which they call the future of comedy hour, <laughs> which is like, if you want to watch ready this. ready for primetime players. No, the already, no, the super ready for primetime players. It's the stuff. It's like when you're yeah. done watching the stuff you've been seen over and over again, you get to come watch the new stuff that's really exciting yeah. and great. Me, yeah. me and Tweety are creating a rivalry. 
whether the comedy community wants it or not. Right. We're bringing, we're bringing, we're bringing our, enough of that, our sports yeah. path. That's into the this. thing. There needs to be, like, yeah. that's what bothers me the most about comedy. There's not, like, enough vitriol hatred amongst. Oh, there is. I right. think there well, is. I just don't think yeah. it's, like, healthy. No, no. <laughs> it's LA sort of uh, passive aggressive. Passive aggressive hatred, right. which is bad. No. It's yeah, I just want, like, forward healthy... aggressive hatred yeah. of. I like right. aggression. Yeah, I'm a big yeah. aggression guy. Like, you watch two, like, with football, you watch two teams that hate each other. It's going to be a good game. Like, it brings the yes. best out of them. I feel oh, yeah. like this hatred and passive aggressiveness mm-hmm. just makes you become more passive aggressive. And it's not like. It doesn't come out healthy in your world. So me and the rest of Miss Smith are just going to start coming to dad jeans shows and booing, booing your yeah. sketches. <laughs> Great. I already do hate dad jeans. <laughs> yeah. I always have. Yeah. Is there, a, is there any sort of a competition between um, – because you and the coach of dad jeans who should not be named are actually both performers and writers on the same team. Yes, yes. But you coach competing teams. Right. Is there any sort of a competition between coaches about who well, can direct? I better? think f- is in competition with everyone. <laughs> I know. I'm we will. We'll bleep that out. <laughs> He's a very competitive guy. Is and, he really? Uh, I think so. Because I'm I mean, super competitive as well. Yeah. I think, well, you, you guys know, are already losing. Yeah. So. Well, he's really. I mean, you know, he's. Uh, I was on dad. I was on dad jeans and chose to leave. <laughs> Boom. Oh, yeah. mm. No, I, I, no, I just think he, he always wants to. <laughs> no, he, I have he, so many important. responses to that, but do. I won't even say anything. I know. I'm kidding. I because love the classier, jeans. more successful person just shuts up. I'm, I do love dad <laughs> jeans. I will say that. I love dad jeans. I think they're a great group of yeah, people. Yeah, no, no. They've done great work. Yeah. Um, anyway. but wait, what were you saying about the competitive... Oh yeah, no. I, he's really he always wants to do good work, and he 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 comes to play, which I think is the the right attitude. Comedy, I what I one thing I want to say, uh, just about my philosophy about comedy, um, I don't find it particularly subjective personally. I think there it's ninety percent objective, at you know at least obviously that's not a real statistic, but it's <laughs> like you know vast majority objective. With a slight degree of subjectivity, of course, but like, but I think people need to, you know, I think that's a misconception about comedy. It's like there's a lot more objectivity than subjectivity, and I, that you know, people might disagree with that, but I think I'm trying to think of ways to prove you wrong. Yeah, Um, I think of it. I I, well, well, I think of like Eric Andre's show. Most people I know don't really like that show. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends. Andy Kaufman's another great example of object of subjective comedy. I think that there's elements of subjectivity For sure. that are super subjective. Are you talking about through a comedian's perspective though? Because that I think is more subjective. Is more subjective than an audience's. Yeah, yeah. there's more subjectivity when it comes to comedians, I, I suppose, just because they they know more about what's going on i think they do yeah and they you know they definitely think they do a little more refined but yeah yeah no i'm not exactly i'm not trying to say they're smarter than the average person no the comedians are idiots they're very stupid people all of them well i mean and that's everyone in this room well and it's i think the funny thing is is i think there's a lot of truth to that in a sense where it's like i've had people right let me rephrase that i've seen you know comedians sort of bicker about what's funny Mm -hmm. And like, this isn't funny, but this is funny, or this isn't funny, but this is funny. And then they put them both on stage and either they're both funny 
Yeah. Like the audience likes both of them or the audience likes neither of them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? Like I've done that where we've put up sketches and I was like, oh man, I'm worried because I don't think this is funny. Mm-hmm. And the crowd loves it. And I'm like, well, I guess yeah. I got to have more of an open mind to just be like, there yeah. are some things that in my own taste don't do well, but that doesn't mean that an audience at any given night will agree with me. You know, There was actually a sketch in a Miss Smith show of, I think it was the last show where I brought that up. I was like, I feel like I've like I get that it's well written, but I feel like I've seen it before, and I wasn't, and I brought it up openly to the group, um, and I thought I I wasn't sure if the audience was gonna love it so much, and the audience loved it. It ended up being one of the like most well received sketches of the night. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's mean, me being an idiot, you know. Sure. Like, look, everyone has tastes, but I think ultimately, the the great teams are just great, and I I don't think. I don't think people can so much say, well, I, you know, I like, you know, I think this is good and I think this, you know, you never know. It's all the same. It's not all the same. You know, mm-hmm. some stuff is objectively better. But like, you know, you can't tell me that Jimmy Kimmel is as good as David Letterman. He wouldn't say that. But it's like, I don't care how much you like Jimmy Kimmel, David Letterman is better. You know, there's no question about it. And I think like, you know, or Chappelle, like you say, like Chappelle is objectively the greatest you know, sketch comedian of, of all time. But here's the thing. Like, yeah. I think a younger generation will be like, no matter how much Letterman or Kimmel they'd watch, they would think Kimmel would be better. Or Fallon. Or I Fallon. I think that's true. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. Maybe. Maybe well, it's just me. Maybe I think, I'm in my own I think Kimmel might be not the right choice, but like someone like Fallon who's yeah. younger. Yeah. Or Conan O'Brien, maybe. Well, they might like him better because they're less familiar, you know. But it, it doesn't mean that mean that it's better. Like, Wait, read but, a read a you know a series of top ten lists today, and you're like, well, this is way funnier than anything on on late night currently. It's ridiculous how how well written those are, you know. What um what's your favorite like SNL sort of like not era? Er, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because they always say it's the time that you went to high school. And that's definitely the case for me. Like, uh, well, first of all, I, you know, I'm a huge Norm Macdonald fan. Mm-hmm. I know that's popular to say now, but it wasn't always. Kind of sound but, like Norm Macdonald. Uh, what's that? <laughs> you kind of sound uh, like Norm <laughs> Yeah, I think he's the best. But um, He's great. He's yeah, one of those guys who I, when I was younger, I didn't get. And then mm-hmm. as I got older. I've always liked him. A fine wine. I really like, a, yeah. because I didn't understand. I didn't, I just thought it was a guy who was trying to be fun. It was just, I, I don't know. There was yeah. something in my brain that was blocking me. And it was then, almost like he wasn't trying not to be funny. Right. And he couldn't help it. He was yeah. funny in spite of himself. Right. Yeah. 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 He's, yeah. And he's, he's one of my favorites. I yeah. Think, when right you now. see in hindsight, what he was doing, you're like, mm-hmm. Oh man, he's the guy. Yeah. But, uh, that when it was like him, Farrell and Mark McKinney and yeah. Molly Shannon mm-hmm. and Nancy walls, even to a degree, uh, you know, for a little while, um, uh, you think that's better than like Sandler, Farley, uh, Spade? Yeah, oh, yeah. So well, I think the writing was was better. Um, most Wayne's no, World is better than Wayne's World. See, this is where. Yeah, no, I. I that <laughs> was Do we want to go another hour? I know we can go another, another topic. topic. Uh, well, I, at the same time that Adam McKay was head writer, I mean, I thought he as head writer he was really great. Yeah. You know, when it was that mix with him and then like Norm on Weekend Update. Like, I get, I mean, those shows were so solid, you know. So I, to, for me, that was number one. I mean, certainly when it was Farley, it was, you know, he was just amazing. Um, and so there's that. But, 
So, but yeah, I would say ultimately it was Norm, Will, and Molly Shannon. That sort of Adam McKay. Cool. Really so we're gonna have to agree to disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah agree to disagree. It's okay. We can disagree. I mean, you're dumb for not agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man. Uh, that was the longest plugs episode, uh, segment we've had. I don't think it was really, really the plugs part. Was well, we very went straight short. from plugs to more information. Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, thanks very much for doing this, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Yeah, no, hey, thanks. thanks that's the first time I've ever called you Dan and not Dan Bannis. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's really fun. I can talk about comedy whenever you guys want. Cool. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah. Um, I guess... Uh, we need, like, a, God, we need... A, what do we say to Lee? Like, uh, this is Jeremiah signing off. <laughs> and this is also Ryan Tweedy signing off. Cheers, guys. Bye. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now. Hey, I'm, I'm Ben. Jeff. I'm Ben. I'm Ben. I'm Jeff. Uh, no, I'm... I'm j- <sighs> Ben, just, just do, do it. The, just okay, do the I'm, thing. Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, this is Ben, Jeff, and Thayer, and we host a podcast called Convince Me, where we have guests on to try to convince us to get on board with their unique obsessions. Check out our podcast. It's called Convince Me. I'm Jeff. <laughs>